I'm Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today for our series on women in the judiciary is Judge Cynthia Pretorius from the Gauteng Division of the High Court. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking the women in the judiciary to come and speak to the women of South Africa. We appreciate it. And you do such an important role in society that I think some people aren't fully aware of the work that you do, which is why we want to have you on our show to talk a little bit more. Thank you very much. Judge Pretorius, in 1970, when you started your career, you were first prosecutor in Pretoria and thereafter you became a magistrate. In 2006, you became a judge in the North Gauteng High Court. Your professional achievements over the years have already broken glass ceilings, which paves the way for other women to then follow in your footsteps. Please, can you tell us more about your current position? Well, at the moment, I'm a judge in the High Court of the Gauteng um, Division. I have been there now for almost 13 and a half years. I, I, I am retiring in May next year because I will be reaching the age of 70 because you can see if I was in prosecutor in 1970, I was 20 years old at that stage and very young and very stupid at that stage. But now I am a judge and I, I enjoy being a judge. Um, I have been there for, as I say, almost 13 and a half years, and then I also had the privilege to be asked to do a stint at the Constitutional Court, which I did the last year for the first two terms. It was a very humbling experience because the Constitutional Court is the apex court in South Africa, and it is the court that, that matters the most. That is not to say that the other court in South Africa does not matter because when you start with a case, you start many times only in the magistrate's court where there is the huge part of the work is being done. The High Court does a lot of work and I must say the Gauteng Division of the High Court in Pretoria um, is the busiest division in the country. So we have a lot of work in, 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 the, um, in our division. And that's probably also reflective of our demography of being a high-density area. Yes. We we amazed that we do much more than Johannesburg even. Um, but it, it, it does, to some extent, show that we are doing a lot of work. We're doing a lot of work from the state. We're doing um, financial matters. We're doing lots of road accident fund matters, which is a problem at the moment because it does clog the roads. And um, we are really fortunate that we have such a diversity of work. We don't only do criminal work or, or civil work. We, we really get steeped into all aspects of the law. Then I have acted as, a deputy, as the Deputy Judge President for on various occasions. Um, and I must say, in our division, things have changed over the years. When I was appointed in 2006, it was only myself and Judge Letty Malopostoza who were appointed, and we were the only women at the, on the bench in Pretoria at that stage. Now I think we have almost reached 40 to 
of representation, which is wonderful. Great. So we're halfway there in terms Almost, of representation. Almost, I would say, yes. And I think it does more, make a big difference. Um, and I always say, I don't want to be seen as a woman judge. I want to be seen as a judge. And I think that's what most women would urge people to do, is to think um, that you are a judge. You're not a woman judge because there's not a difference. You do exactly the same kind of work and you may bring some different perspectives to the work, but uh, which I think is a good thing and make our male co- counterparts think differently about matters, which um, has changed through the years, I think. So um, that's where I come from. And you'd mentioned that you're involved in all aspects of the law. It's, it's very, very diverse. Yes. Is there a particular component that appeals to you more than others? Um, I must say where children are involved, I, I try and get involved because I, that I, I always feel they are the most vulnerable. And then also our rural women, I think, are also people who have not had the opportunity to um, experience the effect of our wonderful constitution yet. And I think that's where we are lacking. I think that's where we can make a difference. But I've done criminal work. I've done quite a lot of criminal work. I've done a, uh, I've done a lot of civil work as well. So um, I, at the moment, I prefer doing the civil work. The criminal work is emotional. Unfortunately, it does it does take it out of you, some of the cases, because I think you read of them in the newspapers and some of them are horrendous facts. They are. Yeah. I mean, as a, let's say, as, as general public, yes. you've got a bit of distance and you're reading something, but for you being in the court, you're dealing with those hard facts that are, are real. You're dealing yes. with the people that have either committed or have been victims. victims yes. Judge Pretorius, You'd mentioned that next year you're going into retirement. What legacy would you like to leave behind? I would like people to think of me as being somebody who worked hard, who cared for people, um, and at all times tried my best, because I think that's very important. I don't think nowadays the young people, not all of them realize that you have to do your best. You know, we write judgments every day and every week. Um, And I always say when my judgment goes to the Supreme Court of Appeal, if it's appealed against, they must say, you know, she made a stupid mistake, but we can see she really tried. And to me, that is the, uh, the ultimate of what you can try and achieve. And I hope the legacy I leave will be that, um, young women will know that the, the, the road forward is much easier at this stage already in our society. And they must um, grasp all opportunities coming their way. I almost think that sometimes it's, it's a duty um, or an in- injustice if we don't embrace those opportunities yes. that have been created for us because people like you have really worked the... The, the playing field yes. to level it up no it, uh, uh, to some extent it, it was hard in the beginning because women were not very welcome in the legal profession I think everybody knows that um, they felt it was a male place and you were not supposed to be there you were supposed to be at home 
Well, it's a very powerful yes. a space to be in. And I think if we look at how our cultures or social environments have evolved, that men were in the power position. The masculine yes. figure was power. And the legal fraternity was power, is power. And the legal fraternity was m very much more male-orientated than many other professions, I would think. But it has changed a lot for the better. The bar is a much better place. We admit attorneys every week, and I can assure you that we admit many more young ladies than we do men as attorneys. So that it's they're coming through, which is very nice to see. Yeah. And in that way, I don't want to say that men shouldn't be there. Of course, we need them. I don't want to say that, that the men, because my male colleagues are just as close to me as my female colleagues. And to me, um, the environment you work in, the collegiality makes it so much nicer. And that I can really attest to that we have that on the bench in Pretoria. Could you please tell us a little bit more about the process of becoming a judge, what it entails, what, what the journey is, who decides? Because sometimes I understand that people are invited to become a judge. It's not something that you just automatically choose a, a path. No, that's true. You have to um, have legal background, of course, and um, mostly judges are sourced from the um, attorney's profession and from the bar, from counsel. Um, the way it works is you are nominated by somebody, either somebody from the bar or from a, an attorney. or I think you must have two nominations. Um, the, judicial uh, the Judicial Service Committee then interviews people. So when you are nominated, you have to complete an extensive questionnaire and send them, I think, three of your judgments that you think are worth it. And then it goes to the Judicial Service Commission, which is made of, of the, the um, judges, the Chief Justice, and then, of course, polit politicians, the minister. I think even the, 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 count, the uh, province is also um, there. And then people from the bar and from the, um, all the political parties. I think you've seen some of these... Uh, Interviews where Mr. Malema, for instance, asks questions, or somebody from the DA asks questions, and so you go for an interview, which is really daunting. It sounds very intimidating because a, there's approximately twenty-three to twenty-five people sitting in a circle, and you in the middle, and they can really ask you anything. It's not only legal questions, as you can imagine, if they are. Um, political parties involved. Um, normally you must have some, at least, I think, 10 years experience. And then they, after the interviews where your um, judge present is also there, and he, I think he makes a recommendation as well, because he, he has to work with you in his division. Then they go and they confer, and then um, they they make a short list. No, they don't make a short list. The short list is before the interviews. But after the conf conference, then they send the list of the people they recommend to the president. 
and you are appointed by the president. So before he signs your um, appointment certificate. And how long is that process from going through from the initial nominations, running the interview process to becoming a judge? Well, they advertised now, I think, for the April. um, It's twice a year. It's in April and October. I think the advertisement has just gone out for April. So, and then um, after the conference, after the interview, it takes a day or two before you know that you have been recommended. And then uh, many times these people are acting judges in any event. The the main thing is that they won't appoint you um, from the bar or the attorney's profession if you had not acted for quite a considerable time in um, on the bench because that um, because it it cuts two ways it's just for you to see whether you will enjoy to do the work because if it doesn't fit you you shouldn't come and on the other hand for the um, judge president and the other judges to decide whether you will be a worthy candidate because everybody also before you the interviews as soon as the applications are in everybody can send in comments about the candidates which they do like the black lawyers association the the um the DLA the the borders the attorney's profession so so it's it's a, an extensive examination of your career well, thank you very much for walking us through that process, um, which is, is so important. And you, you can see by the, the types of representation that you mentioned on the panel that there is an interest from diverse sectors of society on who comes through that process and uh, is appointed. Yes, because it is very important. And is there a limit on the number of judges in a high court? In a division, yes, there normally is. I don't know what the limit in our high court at the moment is. I know because we have a lot of acting judges. So we are we are about 40 judges in Pretoria each term, but there are quite a number of acting judges. I think full-time judges, we may be 30. Okay, and that's good too because it's building that pipeline of, of talent for succession that's, planning. That is exi- exactly what they are doing, and I think it. Uh, it it makes for continuance. So I think that's a very good procedure that you go acting first. And um, and it's a privilege to be asked to come and act because the judge president normally calls and he makes the decision who acts where. Now, reflecting on your career as a judge, which cases would you say have stayed with you the most? I did the Creon matter, which many people know about. It was a, a Ponzi scheme that a woman in the Bariki Prince in the Vol sector got people to um, invest money to the extent of one and a half billion rands, and she took the money from the poorest and the most vulnerable people. And then the judge president called me and he said he wants me to do the case. It'll take three to five years because it's such a vast amount of evidence. I was I was there for two to three years so I 
didn't really think I had the experience, but he told me, no, he really wanted me to do it, and I did it. But then I called in all council, and I said, three to five years of my life, I'm not going to spend on this. And we finished the matter in a year. And I went to the Supreme Court of Appeal on appeal, and my judgment was confirmed in all mysterial aspects, and the um, sentences were confirmed as well. That was the one. The other criminal case was where a baby of two months had been murdered, and that was when I asked the judge president to release me from criminal work because that was very, very emotional. When a father and a mother can murder their baby, that uh, I couldn't that handle that. Then I did, I've done quite a lot of... Um, I did, was involved in the spy tapes case, and I was in recently we did the case of OPSA and the public protector as well, which were all very interesting cases, which we found to be very interesting. I, I think the um, spy tapes case has already been confirmed by the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal. The other case is still um, pending. The appeal is still pending. So, But those are the matters that I can think of that were quite interesting. It's such a diverse mix and I'm sure no day is ever the same. No, it's not. That's what makes it so wonderful. You know, I stayed at home for 18 years after I became a magistrate. My first, uh, my daughter was born. And then I said to my husband, I would like to go back to work, but I love court work. And that's why I went to the bar to do my pupillage. And that was quite hard because you must remember when you do your pupillage, you're normally in your 20s, not 45. But they embraced me and they were, um, I made very good friends, young friends, which keeps me young. And it was really a privilege to to start like that once more. It's almost as a second second tier in in your career as an opportunity to go forward. And I was very fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time. I was, I'm blessed in that regard. And talking a little bit from a career point of view, we all know that in order to move forwards in your career and particularly with a legal career, you've got to have a solid education behind you. Yes. You hold a B Juris and LLB degrees from University of Pretoria and UNISA respectively, as well as a postgraduate diploma in labour law from University of Johannesburg. What role would you say that education has played in your life and career development? Well, without education, I wouldn't be where I am at the moment. And I think it's so hard for children when they're young to understand that that is where you start with your ultimate goal, is when you're still at school. You have to study hard. I didn't understand it. I could have studied much harder at school. I I realize that now. I think we all do. But without my education, I wouldn't have attained anything like this. So I think I must thank my mother and my husband because when I did my LLB, I had three children already. And they kept on and said I must persevere. And I did, in the end, obtain my LLB. And that opened so many doors for me. I could go to the bar and, in the end, I could become a judge. And it's not capping your education according to age or circumstances. And I mean that from a point of view of of being a mother. Having done your first leg of education 20 years prior and still pursuing, that that door's always open. Yes, you must almost... And I think one should never stop learning. You know, you get people who say, well, 
But I learn every day. I learn from our colleagues. I learn from cases we do. It's not as if it's something that, that's static. I now I know everything and that's it. I learn every day. We spoke a little bit now about you being a mom, having three children when you started with your LLB and, and finishing it. The juggle between career and motherhood has always been a controversial issue for women's. Firstly, how do you see this given your experiences and being able to to juggle? I was very fortunate. I stayed at home and I brought up my children. So, But I see my daughters and my daughter, my two daughters-in-law, are all professional women. And I must commend them for the way they do it. And I think the only way you can do it if you have got a good support system. And if you, their, husband, their husbands are very much involved with the day-to-day living at home and with the children, although they all have very high-profile careers, but they do put their um, marriages and their children first. And I think that's the way to go. And when I'm listening to you, I see this as a partnership. I see this as not thinking in gender terms of what traditional roles are, but tackling this together and being able to produce the result that you want that works in everyone's favor. That's the only way to do it. There's no other way. And you must have a a supportive husband. Otherwise, you won't be able to make it. And I read you've got a daughter and two sons, yes. and all three of them seem to be involved in the legal profession. My youngest son did applied mathematics. He will hate to hear that he did law, because he, but he married a lawyer, so that was our revenge on him. What extent do you think that your career has influenced their career or, or, or partner choices? I don't really know whether I did have any influence on that because I must be quite honest when my daughter said she's going to do law I tried to dissuade her I said to her it's a hard path to go and but she, she's in a lawyer and she's got her own practice and she's doing well so maybe um, not wanting her to do it made her more serious about doing it but I, I think the thing is they saw the law and they saw what it could do and I think that might maybe influence them to some extent. And I would also say from being a professional woman, yes. this was you you had a period where you were a stay-at-home yes. mom, but you went on and uh, yes. you became judge of the high court. Yes. Well, that to me, that sometimes I always sit and wonder whether I should be there. <laughs> Hi, this is Lyra, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to Judge Cynthia Pretorius from the Gauteng Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Judge Pretorius, Womanity Woman in Unity is all about gender equality, which is increasingly becoming a global focus. And one of the, the core aspects is about developing female leadership capacity for the future of women, not just in South Africa, through our continent and indeed across the world. 
How do you see female leadership in South Africa? I think um, there is a lot of female... Uh, uh, let's start there. The public protector, Julia Maroncella, I think was the the one example we all looked up to. And I think she set the standard for what female leadership should look like. I think I can also mention Dr. Nkosazana Zuma. I think she's also a, a good example of a female leader. But I think we have, if we look at our ministers, if we look at our judges, if we look at our um, business ladies who's in the financial world, I think we have come a long way since the 70s and 80s. I think since the dawn of the new constitution, we have made enormous strides, although not enough as yet. How do you think we can improve and build on this capacity? I think by mentoring. I'm a great believer in mentoring young people and showing them the way and making them believe that they can do, they can attain these positions if they if they apply themselves. I think, and that's something that's close to my heart is mentoring because I think it's the privilege system at the bar is one of the examples which I think works well because there you get a young woman coming to... I only had women pupils and they've all done excellent. The one... Uh, they, they, they really all enjoyed the stay at the bar and um, I'm sure most of them will become judges in the end. That's also a wonderful yes. legacy of leaving behind, of, of going through being able to develop young people and see them rise. Yes, that is that very satisfying. And with the ladies that you'd mentioned earlier as examples, they all occupied high-profile positions and they were also very, very visible and I think that that visibility in media, it it sort of supplements the role and the work that they do, but having that additional exposure compounds the view that women can achieve these positions. Look at them. They're doing yes. it. Now, I fully agree with you, and I don't think there's enough um, attention given to women in high-profile places. We don't know enough of a lot of women. I think of our president, our present president's wife. I think of Patrice Mutsepe's wife. They do excellent work, but it's all hidden. We don't we don't see them on the stage so that people know what they really are doing for the communities and for the wider good of the of South Africa. You're right because they both those two ladies are independent in their own right yes. as achievers. Yes, but we don't know that. It's very few people who know that. I think we'll have to do some work in that factor and try to get them on the show. That's a good idea. Judge Pretorius, turning more towards a personal perspective, one of the questions that I ask all my guests who've been on this program and made tremendous achievements in their respective fields is about some of the factors that they feel have contributed to their success. So some people speak about hard work, perseverance, or a particular person that's had an impact on their lives. So in your opinion, what would you say have been some of your key drivers for success? I think hard work 
And I must be quite honest with you, when I went to the bar when I was 45, I never had any ambition to become senior counsel or to become a judge. I just did my work every single day. And then when the opportunity came up, I took it. But I think the main thing is hard work and perseverance. And to do what you have to do, not to sit and think what you can still attain. First attain what you can, and then you can... And then when the opportunity knocks, take it. Because at that stage when um, I applied to, or I was nominated to become a judge, I, I, I had to think a lot about it because it would mean that I would work until I was 70. And, um, but it was an opportunity and I, I appreciated that it was an opportunity. So I take the opportunities that come. And very practical advice in terms of do what you have yes. to do. So you've got that base and foundation and then reach out and do more. Can you tell us who've been some of the strong women in your life? Well, my mother was, is, a, is an extremely strong woman. She's 93, but she's still, she is still a strong woman. She's, there's nothing wrong with her. She's, um, she was a, a, a strong woman in my life. And then, of course, um, I've got three sisters, and then I've got my daughter and my daughters-in-law. And I think they are all strong women who have, they all have an influence on me. And then, of course, my colleagues. I must say my colleagues in, in, in on the bench in Pretoria are all, to my mind, strong women who has attained a lot. And many of them come from very, very different circumstances than I did. They have had not had the advantage of what we did in the older part that years. And therefore I commend them and I, I regard them as very strong women and I respect them for that because it's something that I think we don't know enough about, of how hard it is for some people to attain what they have attained. It's, you're so right. And I have to say that for everyone that I've, I've interviewed, when you get to hear the story behind yes. what made them achieve what they have today, it's, it's incredible and not what you'd ever expect. No, it is. So I think those are the strong women on the bench that I really would like to salute because they did, they do make a difference every day. And can you share with us what were some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up um, that, that formed you? I think I had good parents. I grew up in an Afrikaans um, background. We were very much um, protected from what was going on in the country because in those days the, the, all the news and things were not... It wasn't an open, transparent society as it is today. And then I got a bursary from the Department of Justice to do my BUS, which I really um, appreciated. And then I had to work during holidays because of this bursary. So I worked in the Port Shepson Magistrates Court. And I think there, for the first time in my life, I was really confronted by apartheid. The one gentleman um, in Port Shepston was the only attorney who had an LLB, and he was an Indian gentleman. And he couldn't come through the white's door. He had to go through the non-white's door. And I think that was a pivotal moment in my education. And I realized there's something 
tremendously wrong in our country. That shaped me to a great extent, I think. Then, um, of course, my marriage, because I've been married now for 46 years to my I'm happily married to my husband. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And um, the birth of my three children. And then, of course, all grandmothers will tell you the birth of the grandchildren. So, but um, I think what really shaped me was my my parents and my studies. And then just going through life with open eyes and seeing what's going on in a country, not to be blinkered. And being in an environment where you've got opportunity to direct change. Yes, I think that is that that, that is really something which I enjoyed doing. Because when I came to the bench, it consisted mostly of white males and mostly of Afrikaans-speaking white males. Not all of them were very welcoming. Some of them were very kind to me and they were really supported me, but some were rather abrupt. But we, I just decided I will work hard and show them. There's no other way to do this, to break this glass ceiling. The only way to do it is to work hard and show them you can do the work. That's the only way you can do that. Purely about competency. What would you say has been the best lesson that you've learned and I know it's it's a hard ask asking for one. So if you've got more than one, what would you say have been some of the best lessons you've learned throughout your career? I think humility. I think humility because I think the realization when I went to the bar, I was very nervous because I didn't. I knew I had a lapse of eighteen years when I went to the bench. I also still knew about that lapse of eighteen years. That my colleagues who had been working all that time. And then when I went to the Constitutional Court, I also realized that I was very nervous because I realized I was working there with 10 people who were not only um, the apex court judges, but they were intellectually, they are far superior to most people. So that was really, I think, what showed me what can be done. And lastly, as we close out our conversation today, could you please share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to share with young ladies that are are listening to us? I would like to tell them work very hard, go for for, and be passionate about it. And don't do something if you're not passionate about it because then you won't enjoy it. Because when we admit the attorneys, I always tell them, now and again, just sit back and think, I've achieved it. I set out to do, become an attorney. I've achieved it. And enjoy it. Enjoy your work. Don't make it a, a burden because your work should not be a burden because it forms most of the, your day you are at work. And make it a pleasure. And I think that's something that I would like to leave, that my work has always been a pleasure. And because it's a pleasure... And you work, and then it's not hard work, even if it is hard work. Even if we work at night and even if we work every weekend, it doesn't matter because we enjoy it. Thank you very much for that message. I think it's a a wonderful note to end on. And we appreciate you sharing your time with us, your stories of the work that you've done and 
where you are and wish you all the very best for the future to come. Thank you very much. I appreciate being asked. Thank you. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Judge Cynthia Pretorius from the Gauteng Division of the High Court.